Here we go. Last year standing 2021 wrap-up podcast. Co-race director, Monty McIndoe, and myself, Andrew Drummond, here to recap what went down this last Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday. Well, and there's some Tuesday in there, too. There's always the event cleanup. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say. I think starting off by, by, I guess, saying, whoa, that was quite... Quite the event exceeded our expectations. For anyone who listened to our um, preview podcast, we missed it completely. Missed it big. Yeah. Her- Herculean miss. Yeah. We we predicted the performance to people to step it up. From last year, Rick Chalmers, Kanoa King set the bar with 33 and 34 laps in what we thought was and, and is was like quite the performance. And we had a blast watching that. Great effort. Fast forward this year, our expectations were, all right, maybe they'll stack on a little bit onto that. 20% more was my, my thinking. Mm-hmm. But things were different this year. Things were a lot different. We had, uh, we changed things up. As we mentioned in the preview podcast, we, everyone had, everyone did the same course and this course had a little extra oomph in it at the beginning, maybe a quarter mile or so detour in the horse field that was, as we talked with Jeremy Arnold, very windy in that section. Windy, but also from a spectator's point of view, very pretty to watch the all the competitors go up, make the jug handle, and then go single file up past the condos. It was a, really a fun sight to see, especially at night. Absolutely. So the the point of this podcast, you know, we we're going to connect with with Jeremy. We're going to try to get Ben on the line at some point. I know that they're they're back in the real world thrown right in it and you know so are we like as event directors what it takes to get this thing cleaned up and broken down and then try to get a little bit of sleep and recovery ourselves it's i can only imagine what it's like for those guys who really didn't sleep yeah to go back to work as well um but we got some numbers we got some fun stuff to talk about monty monty loves numbers i love numbers what was this about prime numbers you had a computer dedicated to trying to find a, a prime number oh yeah mercy and prime search oh yeah i had i had i think at one point 36 computers looking for the one of the largest prime numbers in the world so like mining bitcoin you're mining prime yeah, numbers exactly and b- before that i was mining seti until the arecibo satellite fell down so but yeah i'm always looking for uh you know, fast Fourier transmissions or Mercy and Primes. I mean, you got to do something in your spare time. <laughs> well, what did you mine for numbers for this year? Well, so as you would have it, so it's funny because the first two competitors did have prime number bibs, 73 and 5. So <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> there you go. Can't plan that. Right? So here's some of the numbers. Uh, the total number of laps. You, if you looked, you, did you cheat and look? I cheat. I cheated, but I forgot already. One thousand three hundred and thirty. That's the distance of three thousand three hundred and twenty-five miles. That would take us from Conway, New Hampshire, and get us to the Yukon, just over the border in Yukon in Canada. That's a far way. Average number of laps that everybody did: sixteen point two. That's a lot of laps. So there's eighty-two competitors. So on average, they did just over sixteen laps. If you split that between men and women, men did 1,029 laps for a distance of uh, 2,500, just under 2,600 miles. They did an average of 16.1 laps. The women, there were 19 women, I believe. They did 301 laps 
a distance of 753 miles, but an average lap is 16.7. So on average, the women put in more laps than the men, which is interesting because they had, in the beginning, I think they had like 20% of the field were women. In the final 10, 40% of the field were women. So as a as going above and beyond, I think the women really, really showed up. Uh, so in terms of vertical, do you know how much vertical we did in total for the event? Yeah, you just said, I heard you. 1.4 million feet. Which is how many miles? Which is 263 miles of vertical, which is equivalent to 48 Everests. So that's a lot. And well, and two of them did double Everests. Two of them yeah. responsible for four of those. So I think that's pretty interesting. No, that, those, those are good numbers. Yeah. So when we, what we said, we planned, I think, 40 hours. I had a, a meal schedule through 40 hours. I had me and my life scheduled through 40 hours. And so it was Diane's birthday on Monday. And I didn't want to go into I thought I would go into it very, very sleepy. I didn't think I was going to totally miss the entire day, which ended up, <laughs> ended up happening. But we had other birthdays going we on. Did. We did. Uh, so our other birthday was um, Chris. He had his birthday. He skied last year standing for his entire birthday. Can't imagine a better birthday <laughs> yeah. spent. So he spent the entire day of Sunday skiing for his birthday. And I, I don't think we missed it. But every time he came in for a lap, we said, happy birthday, Chris. Yeah. And every time I saw Diane, I said, happy birthday. That's correct. So, you know. Well, any other numbers you want to you wanna crank away? Actually, you got a couple I saw. Yeah, I got some. So after day one, there was 82% of, so out of the 82 people, 82% of the people had dropped out. So the first day was, I think the, the big milestones were the double digits at 10 laps. A lot of people dropped. And then at 24 hours, a lot of people dropped. Then there was a big drop off again at 25. A lot of uh, big names. Um, you know, Rem Stone and Seward Mattel and, you know, just these people were just doing awesome. Ryan Kelly also dropped. Then we went into the top 10 and it was just a lot of, a lot of names that I think we're familiar with. So Brittany Gorman had a Herculean effort. She put in 28 laps. It was really, really impressive. Then uh, Kate Ashley showed up and she wanted to pack it in, I think, at around lap 14 or something she was in the double digits and wanted to stop and we were like you know what's going on and then she just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing i think she didn't want to do 24 hours and then she did she ended up at 30 laps but she was one of the ones we were talking about prime numbers and what it was all about and i think she does game theory so that was an interesting conversation just to spark the mind back up you know into the after you're getting through 24 hours Ryan Trott was in there. He had a great effort. He had his own system. He would go in, check in with us, and then go back to, I think, his RV down at the bottom of the hill, and we'd do the shout-out. What I didn't realize is how much people dislike me going into the event of walking through the tent and saying five minutes. The amount of dirty looks I get is just (laughs) incredible. But it's my job. I have to tell people that it's almost time to go, that I have to tell people to go, and they they think it's me... uh, being mean, but that's that's my job as a race director is to to tell people that you know get ready and now go. What do they What do they want? The air horn? We can bring the air horn. I'm not into the air horn. So that's one of the things we talked about during the race was things that pump me up are not air horns, 
not seeing woo and not cowbells, but just seeing people showing up. The amount of people that showed up with smiles after laps and the, the, there's not a lot of grumbling in this crowd. You know, there's a lot of people look hurt or people look depleted, but in general, people are smiling the entire time, right? The next one we had was um, Mary Harrington. Do you remember her? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bib 88. She was so quiet that when she would when she would go by, we'd be shouting out numbers, numbers. She'd say, 88. And then finally, we just said, all right, we know who that is. We don't have to ask her anymore because she's so quiet. So her story is she'd never done anything like this before. She went through 32 laps. She just started skiing in December. Just got hooked up with a group, had never done an ultra event, had never done any of that. And she thought, hey, you know, I'll just give this a shot and see how far I could go. She just kept on grinding out the laps. Uh, next one. It was, 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 hold on. Put pause on that. Yeah. That blew my mind. Yeah. 32 laps. Yep. Never done it before. Just started skiing in December. I mean, like what? Now my question to her is similar to the question of last year is, what were you thinking? That's incredible. Just kept on cranking. Bib 88. The ninja. Yep, the ninja. Next one was uh, Liana mm-hmm. Altieri. 33 laps. A snowboarder, first of all. So she won the snowboarding competition. And? Crushed it. And last woman stand. Yep. Last woman skiing. Yep. Last woman splitting. She she ticked a bunch of boxes. Yeah, that that was super impressive. The last year was um, Kristen Glennie who did 14 laps, first time ever split boarding. And so to see, I don't know what it was this year. There was some pep in the air. There was something in the air where you look at her, like this whole crew between Mary, Liana, and, and Wit, Hanska. Yep. Just smiles. So excited to be out there. Had a blast. Just, super, super pumped and up. And they called it like, they're like, we're good. Yeah. We call it, they're in good spirits. They're like, yeah, it's time to stop. And this was an awesome event, but we're done. Yeah. What, what, yeah, what was the next one? The 34 laps. Showed up, uh, Bib 85. He was like, you know, super positive. His daughter was there before and, and did, um, you know, did the event earlier and then came back to support him. His, his wife was there. It was all like a, a, like a super supportive crew. But he didn't need any, um, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's change our attitude around. He showed up like ready to go when he said he was he was good it wasn't like he was like down and broken he's just like i'm you know i'm satisfied with what i did 34 laps tying last year's uh (laughs) last year's record so that was good we had uh, then chris birthday boy right lap 216 so at this point we're going into you know past the 40 hour mark Chris stopped because he'd done his full birthday. He had, you know, he's like, I got to get to work. I got to go to sleep and I have to drive back to Boston to go to work. And we tried to convince him, you know, take the day off. But we didn't think it was like this was the the end period from last year. So we thought things were almost over or the the, the plan to be almost over. When he sees there's still, you know, three people and not a crack in sight, he was like, uh, you know, I'm tapping out. So, unfortunately, we had to let him go. But he looked super strong still. I mean, I think, I think he, besides the work, I think he had a lot left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Ben Lane, like I said, um, the two-time last year standing and a Bubba's competitor. 
he did 42 laps. He was looking super strong. Again, a ultra, ultra nice guy, super, you know, super attitude, very, very positive. And he, he left it all on the mountain. He was skinning off the trail at night uh, on his uphill. He was skinning and just going into the woods. And yeah. I think he had a, I think, you know, had a really tough time with the sleep deprivation. It caught up with him yeah. to the point of like, you know, you, you have to look out for yourself and your, and your well being. Yeah. And some people are just, I, th- I think he made the right move two nights in. Yeah. Pull himself out and he went and got and some. It's not on your shoulders anymore. You got to think about that. That mind game of being when it's down to three, that's the easy way out. Cause if, if he didn't bail, you're sort of like carrying the event on your shoulders to be and if you're in the last two that there is, there's gotta be this pressure there. Yeah. I would think. Well, I mean, it, there's got to be pressure. There, there's, I, I don't know whether it's pressure or the internal drive of people just wanting to see what they could do because it's the, the, I don't think Ben took Jeremy out and I don't think Jeremy was pushing Ben. I just think they wanted to do all that they could do. And as long as the other person was there, they just wanted to like, tick off another lap. So then uh, once Ben was out, we were left with the last two, Jeremy, and we'll talk to him later on. Mm-hmm. So this is 42, yeah, so, 42 so laps in. 42 laps in. So these two went and crushed laps, crushed 18 laps together. Yeah, this is like early Monday. This is Monday morning. It's still dark out. Yeah. So almost for an almost for an entire day. They were just, you know, putting in laps with themselves. And what were they going to do? There was, um, you know, at one point when... Jeremy had to rethink about what he wanted to do. I think, I don't know, uh, you know, what his exact thought process was, but he's like, listen, this is just going to go on and on and on. And then, you know, you went up and talked to him on the hill and had some words and came back and he said, all right, he's back and he burned a hot lap and got, got back in it. And it was, yeah, to touch on that, he, he was going through stuff that you would expect someone that far in to go through. It's like, what is the point of this? You reach a certain point where you're like, you don't see any end in sight. There's that mind game. He's been up for two nights straight. He's tired, like fatigued. And like, what's the point? And if that's like the, the point is for you to figure out, like, why are you here? And what is your goal? And what do you want to do? And so, you know, my, my pep talk to him was like, listen, you end this when you want to end this, but don't just like turn around now, go and like, go take that one lap, appreciate everything you've done and to be done like and I won't yell at you to do any more laps but like just finish it on this high, high note it was a beautiful day Monday sun was out like go enjoy it like reflect on like how how many laps you've done and and just what you've accomplished and it on a positive and so he's like he's like okay okay and then um he's like just get my shell for me and so I went and grabbed a shell while he did the the farmer in the Dow lap around the field and hand to him and he's like get my polarized glasses. I'm not a quitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he was gone and he just rifled up. And at that point, Ben was, you know, Ben saw him and Jeremy was two thirds of the way up and Ben's Ben thought Ben watched him drop. So Ben's like, I got this. This is it. This is a winning lap. Ben yeah. put in a pretty fast 35 minutes on that lap. Yeah. Yep. Ben did it in 35 minutes. His Ben's fastest lap. So Ben was obviously feeling like, you know, a little adrenaline rush. And then seeing Jeremy come back down, knowing that Jeremy was in it, and like refreshed yeah definitely put some mind games in and jeremy the stand-up guy like he's like is it unsportsmanlike you know if i just do one more lap to make him do it i'm like what like jeremy no like this yeah. is 
you this is for you and like this is a very individual race too so <laughs> yeah we'll talk i'll put that uh interview in in shortly here as well and then uh we got to talk about ben eck ben so ben showed up we had i mean in, in the beginning there was uh, 82 people in the in the corral so we're looking around and there's one guy and he's wearing a raccoon costume and it's you know the first i'm like okay you know it's it's novel and it's raccoon costume and he's on telly gear and i was like all right you know we get it. and then people start dropping after 10 laps and he's still in the raccoon costume and then it's like 15 laps and i go up to him and i'm like hey <laughs> what's with the raccoon costume he's like oh, i just thought it'd be fun you know i'm just here to do you know 24 hours and i thought and i was like well what's the what's the raccoon costume like to uh to skin in he's like well it's it's horrible because it's hot on the way up and it's cold on the way down so i was like all right and i was like what's you know what's going on with your your binding your your telegear your binding is that you're coming down you have a volet strap on he's like yeah i broke my heel strap on my binding so i'm gonna just use this fillet strap. It, and I, so he had somebody there supporting him. And she said, uh, I was like, well, you know, what's with that? Should we get that looked at? He's like, well, he has another set of gear. He has a whole other set of skis and boots and bindings in his other car, in his car. But he just doesn't like those. They, he li- they would be heavier. He likes these. <laughs> so. Shaving weight, taking off the whole heel um, pin piece, whatever. Yeah. He, he ended up dropping this. So he, he got the nickname from the crew that, you know, as the raccoons go as the trash panda. So we're like, all right, T, you know, TP's back out there and he's bib number 73. So you can see him come through. And then he took off after, I think after like 18 hours, he took off the trash panda suit because he took off his, he had to, in order to change in and out of the trash panda costume, he had to take his boots off. And that was the reason he kept him on for so long. Then he took it off and he did almost the entire race then after that point without the costume on. And just doing lap after lap after lap. But he had this this routine where he would go in and he had the the um, the technical toe piece and the telly heel. And he would be clicking into the the front toe piece and it forever wouldn't go in. It took him like four or five tries each one. And then he would click the, the front section up to lock the toe piece in. But every time it wouldn't go in, I was like getting sick to my stomach. Like, is this going to end it? Is the, is the toe piece malfunction going to end this thing? So I had to, if, you know, if it were going to be, I was going to tell him, listen, just pull over, come past the starting line, go change your gear and then go out on the lap. You'll have plenty of time. But this whole, he was like totally chill about it. like, okay, I'm in now and, and off he'd go. So you know, we, I think that was like a huge secret to his success. Obviously a phenomenal athlete. He had experience doing 24 hour mountain bike races, but the positive mental attitude, the PMA, he just, he kept smiling, didn't complain. And that, that's all that's like what that's most of what you need is like if you can will it you'll get it yeah and he didn't you know he just wasn't complaining about anything you know just to talk a little bit about the course and what was difficult this year was that the top section was ungroomed that was a huge wild card this you know for people that didn't have ski experience as much ski experience or weren't as comfortable skiing on mogul bumped up terrain it went from this nice soft powder a few inches into ruts with rocks maybe some snow making pipe in there yep but it was technical and it was a leg burner and last year we had the booter going up and this year we had the 
the the bump run going down, which really took its toll. And these guys just lap after lap were fine with it. And he wasn't complaining. Like he was like, whatever, you know, it's part of the part of the game. As race directors, we didn't have much of an option. We thought if this went up to Lospo, which is 750 feet, you know, now the numbers are way off. You have to figure out something else. The transitions, your skins are already being compromised by the number of transitions. And I don't want this to be all about the gear and gear failure. I have to deal with that. So, you know, we thought that going to the summit, we could do it and make it, make it work. But, you know, we apologize for any core shots that people got out there. It's part of the, it's, it's part of backcountry skiing, unfortunately. And, um, I wanted everyone to be safe and like, I, I don't, I don't enjoy watching equipment get wrecked. Trust me. Some of my personal gear was out there. So I had that, you know, I was up there with a shovel. I was up there with a snow mover at two in the morning on like the second night, just moving as much snow as I could in this futile, futile effort, trying to cover up some of those, some of those rocks. Um, but if you pick the side of the trail and sort of side slip down, you could easily avoid a lot of them. Yeah. Anyway, that, that tangent, I just wanted to let people know the course was a little different than last year. It wasn't just this beautiful buffed out groomed trail, the top 200, you know, that's another 250 feet of descending. Yeah. That was, was not, not easy, especially in those later laps. Um, anything else about the conditions? I mean, the, it got brutally cold all, all three nights, right? It was single, it was single digits. Really cold the first night, but not windy really cold and really windy the second night and that was miserable and that's what jeremy later in this interview talks about how that cutting wind is just you know that yeah. late for us just we were like hightailing it inside as much as possible yeah and, we, try, and we were like loopy too and trying to get some sleep but those poor guys no yeah it, it was miserable and then the wind really picked up and then we had to take down those portable pop-up tents together that was the nightmare in the high wind it was the same feeling that we got last year on that um second going into the second night it was a little depressing everyone's gone we're just scrambling it's the two of us looking around what do we need to grab what needs to go inside we had to move the clock inside i mean all this stuff was like a little bit nerve-wracking and it's just andrew and i looking at each other being like what like just grab something and move it but those guys once that next you know twilight hits five that 5 a.m lap when they get to like six it starts to get a little light out yeah. That six o'clock lap is the sun, kind of the sunrise lap because seven o'clock, six fifty-five, something like that. Yeah. is the sunrise, and man, that's a that's new life right there. Um, but anyway, so Ben, very unassuming, dark horse. Yeah, no end in sight on Tele gear, on broken Tele gear with heavy boots, going against Jeremy Arnold, seasoned ski mountaineering veteran, and it was quite the match. And Ben. Just didn't show his cards, whatever. I don't know what we'll hopefully catch up with him, what his mental state was and what he was, what he thought he was capable of and willing to go. And if there were points when he thought he was going to quit, but he, I mean, I I didn't see in in the two of them, just didn't see any cracks. Ben at one point was like, you know, I just, I just need to get some rest where I can put my feet out for a minute and not have it not have my feet be cold. I said, well, you know, you can go and sit inside my car. He's like, all right, can I sit inside your car for seven minutes? I'm like, sure. Just go there. I mean, it's not on, but at least the wind's not blowing on your feet. I mean, cause those tents were breezy. And he went, went in there. I think he went in the, the car like three or four times and slept for 10 minutes. I give him the, the five minute up and he was, you know, popping right back up and back in his boots and off he went. So 
And so it ended, what, 10.45 at night. So yeah. that last lap, that 10 o'clock lap, Jeremy was done. Uh, and Ben went up, and we made him as proof because none of us were going to go up there with him. <laughs> and at this point, Ski Patrol had bailed. They left us. We have a, we had a snowmobile yeah. to, like, access. And we were sending people up with him. But um, Ben went and did a – he had the mountain to himself. Went up. Uh, we had him grab the disc from the summit as proof that he'd, he'd gone up. And at 10.45, came back, came back through the line as the last gear standing and put a, put a bow on uh, the 61 hours. Yeah. Uh, so, again, huge thanks to everyone involved to make this event possible. I think, like, first and foremost, Black Mountain yeah. letting us have this venue. I know it's, it takes a toll. Last year we did it during the holiday weekend, and this year was a beautiful day and they you know were generous enough to to let us use it as a venue and and we're sorry for taking up a lot of the parking very sorry but um hopefully it comes back in spades as people know you know learn about this event and how great of a, a ski hill black mountain is for anyone that hasn't been there it's got that charm that uh you can only find at some of these independently owned ski resorts perfect for all abilities south facing nice and warm generally protected from the winds unless it's 2 a.m on a sunday night in a arctic polar vortex <laughs> yeah we got uh the volunteer ski patrol those guys were awesome they were taking these 12-hour shifts up up at the summit uh we tried to do our best to give them some some food and, and drinks up there so thanks thanks to the ski patrollers volunteers uh couldn't have done it without the volunteers running the kitchen pr- prepping food, helping with timing, helping uh, set some set the lights, take down lights, runners, just helping coffee, it, you break, name it. break it down on Tuesday. We had a bunch of people show up, so that was nice. Yeah, I mean, that's a, such a fun thing. So if you ever get a chance to contribute to one of these endurance events, go for it. It's, it's, a, ton of, it's a ton of help to uh, the race directors. Uh, we got the sponsors, a bunch of sponsors this year. Uh, I don't know if I have a, a list in front of me. You got to think some of the title sponsors, which would be Fisher for throwing down a couple big prizes. It started out as like a thousand dollar gift card to the winner, to the finisher. And then they got some trickle down to Jeremy as well. And then, um, they also showed up with the tent, which was fun showing off some of their new product, new trans boot. So it's always, it's all, and some cowbells and some other swag. So it's always fun to have, have some companies show up that are all excited to be there. And we had, um, Athletic Brewing, Matt showed up from Athletic Brewing. Perfect balance with um, Sierra Nevada to have a, a non-alcoholic beer option. Plus, they were showing off some of their new seltzers, which are incredible hop-infused seltzers. That look out for those. While I like their, I like their craft non-alcoholic beer. It's perfect when we're race directing. But um, these new seltzers, game changers. And and no one was really, you know, Matt, who's there just kind of slipped us some and I don't know, I'd be more excited about those than, uh, I I think, um, many people realize because the seltzer market's already pretty packed, but these were great products. Then again, we love seltzer too. Yeah. We're big seltzer fans. And then we had arcade belts. This is cool. Cool. Like little relationship we have going with arcade where they sent some belts that were meant, were meant to go for an avalanche program this December, but I forgot to grab them and he's like, Oh, keep them for last year standing. Next thing you know, I'm in touch with arcade belts, working on a custom belt for next year. So look, keep a lookout for that. 
Who else do we have? Princeton Tech. Princeton Tech headlamps. Uh, great American-made headlamps. Lifetime warranty. Love this new rechargeable one. The Apex has an external battery if you want it. And you can carry that in your pocket. Super bright. Ski the White's Coffee Company. Ski the White's Coffee Company was on tap for most of the night until Pierre came back and stole the coffee maker. He thought it was going to end, and he wanted to drink coffee at home, so he took his coffee maker back. But we were able to do a couple grind laps, give away, give away some product. Excellent stuff. Craft Sports. Craft Sports, yes. They were the title sponsor last year. We had a bunch of stuff to hand out with some headbands and stuff from the craft bin. Sleeveless jacket for Ryan Kelly got that on the, the craft lap. The craft sports were a hot lap. Um, who else? Anyone else in there? I'm sorry if I'm forgetting somebody. I don't know. Oh, M- McGrath's Tavern donated some stuff for, to us for the event. Yeah, and we had some nice. We always pick up support local, got some bagels plus. Uh, I know it's a lot. It's a you know from Mary Strector's perspective, where you you have this uh, start out with 80, 82 people plus a bunch of volunteers. We're eating to prepare all the food for that, and then have it shrink down at an undetermined rate. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Yeah. There's then, a lot of prep I mean, there. the last two to thank I think are Hillary and Diane for putting up with us during this. It could could not have been easy. Yeah, well, they both volunteered too, so uh, thank you, thanks to them. And yeah, this is a big, big time suck. Thank you, Monty. You took a, a big brunt of the workload this year because the Ski the Whites retail shop was in prime time, sucked away a lot of my my availability, and so you had to you managed all the volunteers. You were the point person up at the mountain dealing with the resort, the you know, the liaison between the mountain and the event and. We had the tent set up, porta potties, people pinging you in every direction. So it's like it's, you know, this is something that takes a lot of work, a lot of hands, and couldn't couldn't do it solo. This isn't one of those things that like one person can do an event like this. So thanks, in this crazy world that you're involved in all this fun stuff. <laughs> I did have the dream on Friday morning before I woke up that I'd forgotten to order skis for everybody, and everybody's going to show up and not have any skis for the event. So that was fun. Well, it means you care. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess lastly is the participants. We talk about it, the the all ages, all abilities, um, all these different categories. It's so good to see it and say it each year, but like everyone comes in with their own goals and own expectations and generally they're wildly exceeded. And I think we learn and we have the big takeaways that we're so capable of more than we know, given the more than we think we are, given the right circumstances and the and the venue to do it, and that's one thing about this is being able to provide that for people and watch them walk away, like being very proud of what they've done. And I think that a lot of this carries over into to to life and what you do in other aspects of life is that you know give yourself a chance and you'll you'll often be surprised about what you can do and um, couldn't be truer. Looking at sixty one laps and to six laps like or four laps doesn't matter what you do and i think a ton of respect goes out to everyone that just showed up you know a lot of it's just showing up and then the rest takes care of itself yeah it was uh yeah well it the 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 show that was put on the effort that was put out by all the competitors made the whole process worth it definitely worth it all right, well, we'll get to this interview with, with Jeremy and hopefully get Ben on the line too. Um, so thanks, everyone. 
uh, we'll let this roll. And just uh, if you're listening to this, I think the Bubba's registration is already open. I think it opens tonight. Yeah. Well, this will Does probably it? this will probably be out tonight or yeah, this will be out tonight. So Red should be open. Check out ultrasignup.com. Search for Bubba's Backyard Ultra. If you liked this event, you'll love Bubba's. And if it's filled up, just sign up on the wait list because people people have other th- things show up things like things happen in life people have to draw people can't make it so it's eight months away we learned this year yeah you know, i mean, didn't learn we knew that people weren't going to show up and there'd be things going on so get on the wait list if that's already full um, guaranteed good time all right thanks monty thanks andrew A few days, a few days to reflect on 60 laps at Black Mountain. What were, um, what was the, what was your takeaway from the whole thing? Has it really been a few days already? I don't know. I can't, it seems like it was yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I had a lot of time to reflect and still, still reflecting, trying to put some of my thoughts down, you know on paper just to have something to look at maybe for next year because <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think once the 60 hour mark came I, I I saw that you know I already have to take you know multiple days off of work uh, and I had other you know, family and life obligations to get back to. So, yeah, this was the right time to, to make the move. Yeah, I don't think anyone anyone uh, blames you for, for calling it. I think that's a huge, if you like just look at it as a whole, a huge accomplishment and really unexpected. And it's hard, it's really difficult, I think, to be prepared for that length of time after after what we saw last year we saw 34 hours 34 laps so to just almost double that 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 wasn't really on anyone's radar and i'm sure you didn't think that even if you made it 50 laps that who else would be there pushing you and and so uh, that's the whole beauty of this right yeah absolutely like uh there was such a a wide variety of athletes uh, you know they had just such a range of equipment and backgrounds like and there's out there just stacking them you know one after another didn't look like anyone was ever going to give up you know and uh, like the field was, was so deep even after like 24 hours I think there was what still 16 people or something Monty uh, number check yes that is correct. 80, so eighty so, after after day one, eighty two percent of the field had dropped out. Yeah. But so you know, I mean, I think I think I needed another kick of the pants, another carrot. Had I known that uh, you know Courtney Dawwater's number was well within reach, I don't know. So you had, what was that, 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 68? That would have been, 
68. And then after that, Carl's number is... 72? Up, 72 or 73, so... So... Yeah, I mean, you don't often get the opportunity to, you know, to come back and pick up where you left off, you know? So, to, to, to drop and quit at 60, you know, kind of hurts. Well, it's easy, hindsight. It's easy to say that now, but... No, I, I told myself coming in this year that I was going to time out. Yeah, but you, you know, if you look back and put yourself in that position, you're you're in uncharted territory in an event like this in this format and um going that deep where we just I don't know, it's it's one of those things where you're dealing with the mental mental side of it, the uncertainty of when is this going to end, you're dealing with the physical fatigue and then you're dealing with sleep deprivation. And those three elements combined puts you in a spot that no one has really very few people have been in yeah so i don't know how you prepare for something like that and the waves i mean these highs and lows and and how you overcome them but you certainly were at some lows and overcame those and i think you've got nothing but um you shouldn't be more than like super proud of the accomplishment and without you you know in this this is a completely different the event event wouldn't have been the event that it was without you yeah, it takes two. And, you know, rather than thinking about how can I get the other guy to quit, I should have been thinking about how can I push him to carry me farther. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because it didn't it didn't seem like there was any animosity between the two of you. It seemed like it was an internal drive that was sparking you to go on. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no gamesmanship or anything like that going on between us. Uh, yeah. Do you know how many laps you did with with just Ben? I think it was was it eighteen or something like that. Yeah, it was eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once it was down to three, uh, other Ben. Was you know looking pretty, pretty beat in, in the tent yeah. between laps, and so you know, Trash Panda Ben and I were were out a little bit front of him, and I said, "All right, let's turn off our headlamps, let's get a little distance, and if he can't see us, he's gonna think he's way behind." And, you know, either they'll have to push that lap hard and not make it for the next one, or he'll time out. Right. So, I, other than that, that was the only strategy, like, that we talked about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because he had done, he had also been, Ben Lane had also been in uh, the other last year standing, and he's also been at Bubba's. So, he's, yeah. he's a, has a familiarity with the format. But he did. He it's there's a certain point when people come back and they look broken. It's you just didn't see that, and and you were or Ben Eck. You know you can. It's yeah, like it 
Yeah. There was no break in us, you know. No so, break in neither one of us, I don't think. It yeah. This came down to the life. <laughs> no, it's a mental, I think it came down to the mental thing because you guys had figured out the the strength and the sleep and the fatigue. I mean, sorry, the, the sleep deprivation. You guys, you were managing that, but the mental game of just when is this going to end and what's the point, that part, in hindsight, you can be like, well, I wish I did more, but in the moment, that's incredibly tough to navigate, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you really need a sounding board to to talk your crazy ideas out to someone else that maybe isn't quite as sleep deprived as you. You know, give you a little little motivation when you need it well, the most, you know. Yeah. You know, other than lap, was it 51 or 52? I didn't really have a low point, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a, there's a couple spots where I thought it could be over. One was when Ben had the the, the bad blister. He thought, you know, I thought he might be not be able to continue much longer after that. So, so that was a boost. And then, kind of had a low point with the with the wind. You know, I guess it was late in day two. The wind was really cranking. You know, I, I think there was, what, only, you know, four or five people around the whole, whole mountain and and just uh, no, no protection from the wind and they're cold. And then after that, uh, I had my, that low point at, 52 and and afterwards Ben told me that he thought he was in trouble after that because you know I came back and put in a pretty fast lap and just started with a little bit faster pace I don't know changing the pace up just slightly different muscle movements my legs felt better again so that's what drove me to 60 and then you know had I done something similar you know just started changing the pace again might have felt better too right well I can only imagine what you what you were feeling in the moment there just watching it I was right there with you and I think that at that point as race directors too we were sort of at that point we used up all our cards to egg people on and and that we put on you guys to to figure out what what you were willing to do and not do because at 60 hours into the event far exceeded our, our expectations, our bets and, and any sort of like, I don't know at, th- at that point, you know what it's, it's on the table. You guys had already made it. This was into the third night. So you put on the performance, you captivated the internet and the community at large and, and one hell of a performance that, uh, I don't think uh, I don't know people are going to be talking about this one for a while for yeah. a while. So you only have yourself to congratulate. I know you wish you kept going, but it it is what it is. And um, you could have dropped out earlier. You could have taken it deeper. But I would be never be satisfied. You can always everyone can always do better. But um, 
we wouldn't have had such a great event without you. And I just want to thank you for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You guys, you know, put on a, an amazing event and, uh, highly recommend it. You know, you know, you just draw such a thing I said it already, but just such a diverse crowd, you know, people just trying to, you know, get a personal best or their biggest day or, you know, some different goal. Everyone has their own goals. So, perfect opportunity to do it in a somewhat controlled environment. Uh, got a question, got questions for you. Just like, first off, people want to know what gear, like, how did you, how did you manage this? How did you manage gear and nutrition? What was some of your, your tips and what things really worked for you and what things do you want to do better next time? Sure. Um, my feet were in really good shape because I, I taped them up really well beforehand. I mean, so I've done, I really learned my lesson, I guess, you know, it was probably three years ago during the, the Pyramenta, which is four days with, uh, 10,000 meters of, of climbing in those four days, you know, kind of a different event. Uh, cause you're going pretty hard for, you know, three to five hours and then resting and doing it again the next day. But, you know, I learned where all my hot spots are on my feet. So I took a lot of Luco tape, taping them up the night before. And then that, that prevented blisters and, you know, all the really bad stuff, and then just changed my socks and liners. I had two pairs of liners uh, that I could swap between. And how often were you doing that? Uh, probably, I went through five pairs of socks, so, you know, every eight to, or six pairs of socks, so every, you know, eight to ten hours. I could I could tell when my liners needed changing because uh, they would start squeaking. You know, I think Jesse Billund was was telling me I had to fix my boots or something like that because they were squeaking. I was like, I wonder if that squeak is, but I finally figured it out that it was the, the liners getting wet or snow inside and and squeaking. So that was that was a good indicator to to change them. Other gear, you know, just layers, you know, a lot of layers. Had a variety of different, uh, you know, coats. I was, I wore the same base layer the whole time. I was going at a pace that I didn't sweat. Other than maybe the, the one, the one hot lap with, uh, with Ryan Kelly. Where he, uh, <laughs> came came mocking down, you know, to get the, get the prime lap. But, uh, I think that was the only time I broke a sweat. And then, and then what about food? What was the secret sauce there? Food, I was doing a lot of tailwind, uh, and then, you know, sometimes hot. That was good. Uh, going for, you know, peanut butter and, and bagels and pizza and potato chips, you know, just foods that, you know, keep the, keep the energy up, solve, 
you know, obviously pretty important. I also took some salt pills. But uh, I had, you know, caffeine or Coke. I didn't end up using any of it because I figured I might need it at some, really need it at some point, which didn't ever happen. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'd like to see the point at which that would need to happen. Day four? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it might have, been, might have been day four, yeah. Day three, day four. Well, incredible. Thank, thank you for uh, giving us a little insight. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's, you know, there's, there's next year. There's always, there's, you can, you can always just go back and, and replay it. But, um, I just want you to know that like we want, we, what we witnessed was this incredible, it's spectacular. Uh, and I, and I think I just really want to get that message across that like that the performance at that you put on out of it is something to be incredibly proud of. And yeah, next year, clear out some more, more work schedule. And like you, if you can eliminate some of these other variables that might distract you from, from the event, I think that's one, one takeaway that we've, you know, had last year too, with Kanoa had work on Monday and, um, that's just one little, one little thing that will probably help in the future. But man, you need like everything to go in your favor. And it sounds like you were incredibly prepared for this. You had a plan. Um, and it was fun to watch it unfold. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one thing you, you saw this year from, you know, the top two returners from last year is, you know, it, they didn't have, you know, similar performances. Uh, so yeah, I think it is really hard to come back and improve upon a performance. Uh, I, you know, Ben Lane did, right? He came back and went from 29 or 30 to, to 42, you know, so, but, but, you know, Kanoa and, and, and Rick, Rick, uh, Chalmers both didn't have improvements so yeah it's all about it's all about showing up and then hoping that uh that things go your way and you can't always control that but um anyway well we'll let you get back to work start scheming for other fun projects um and then hopefully see you back up here maybe for some friday night lights or some other event you know in the near future Tomorrow night at black, I'm sure yeah, you tomorrow night it. at black. Well, we're gonna set the course up, same course, right? The, the lights are already out, still ready to go. I might be able to do it blindfolded. <laughs> we wanted. I'm sure, I'm sure you could. Have people give you tours. All right, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for connecting, and uh, well, you know, see you uh, soon. See you out there. justice on the fly if i need to but cool well i'm psyched to get you on the line joined with uh ben eck bubba eck uh the trash panda good morning it's it's thursday (laughs) yeah it's thursday a few days removed from the event um how are you feeling pretty good yeah i was feeling pretty wrecked on tuesday i just kind of 
hung out in Neil's cabin and sat on the couch all day. Uh, read a book and took on and off naps. Uh, but no, when I got back Monday night, I took a sitting down shower. That was pretty good. And like kind of fell asleep while showering a few times. That was, that was pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty good. My feet are a little sore, but I can walk around pretty well. Um, yeah, just mostly hanging out and catching up on school and stuff. How about sleep? Yeah, I've been sleeping what feels like a normal amount. Like I was expecting I'd have to sleep like, you know, I just like sleep all day on Tuesday or something. But yeah, I don't know, eight or nine hours a night or something. Feeling is feeling pretty good. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible that you can bounce back th- that quickly. Um, an event like this. I think a lot of people the next day are surprised at how good they feel. It's a very low impact activity, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'd feel a lot worse if I had like, you know, for a much shorter race, they've been going a lot harder. I think like low effort endurance is like, yeah, you can kind of do it forever. I was sort of thinking like, like if there's someone who's fit enough to do like a 30 minute lap in like zone two or something, they'd be basically unstoppable because they could just, uh, you know, do a lap and then sleep for like 25 minutes. And I think essentially go on forever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I was thinking about that on the way up that if you could chunk, if you had a certain percentage of time that you could just dedicate to sleep, think of how much you sleep, you need it, how much sleep you need throughout the day. I know it's not the deep sleep, but there's ways to manage the sleep deprivation. It seems like you, you had it figured out towards the end there, but I'll let you talk about that. Um, in a second here, but first for a lot of listeners that just don't know who you are, you weren't on, on my radar. You're just like this dark horse. And I knew that, uh, I didn't know what to make of you because you showed up in a, a raccoon suit for the first 15 laps or so. Um, tell, tell me more than that. It's the first 25, (laughs) I think 25 laps lost track, but tell, tell me a little bit, just like the quick, um, couple minutes synopsis of like your, your background as, um, in the outdoor space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, um, been doing kind of outdoor stuff for a while. I kind of started in like Boy Scouts and stuff back in the day. Um, and then just kind of got more into it in college and got into mountain biking, um, through one of my friends who was really into it. And, um, yeah, actually one of my, my friend, Mike, uh, he got me to go out to this 24 hour race in Arizona um, mountain bike race back in, uh, high school. I think that was like the first like endurance thing I'd ever been to. And it was a super good time. Um, just cause yeah, it's like, you know, it's a big party in the desert. People are wearing costumes. People are like out of their minds in the middle of the night. It's a good balance of people who are soloing and, um, you know, people who are doing it on teams and able to sleep and, you know, drink a beer between laps. Um, and so I don't know, I always just found that environment super fun and did that for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And then did some more mountain bike racing in college, um, with the Eastern Collegiate Cycling Conference. Um, and maybe a couple other like longer endurance races then too, um, like 24 hours of Pat's Peak and Great Glen while that was running. Um, 12 hours in Millstone is another really good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like long events. I don't think I've ever been like super fast. Uh, so 
going for a long time, I guess it was just always like a strength. Um, yeah. And then I got into skiing, like in college, um, my talk, the MIT outing club, um, we have a bunch of rental gear and stuff. And, you know, back when I was in college, we didn't have AT was like, I think it was still, maybe it was a little bit behind the times, but it was still sort of in the time where like, you know, AT gear was like, you know, it was all frame bindings and super heavy. And so there was, we still had a lot of like telemark equipment to rent and not that many pairs of AT skis. Um, so I just, you know, started renting telemark gear and I think did my first backcountry ski day at Cardigan and like, you know, fell down a million times on the way down the trail and thought it was awesome. Um, and just kind of got really into it from there. Um, yeah, I've just been skiing ever since for the last, you know, five years or so. And, uh, and so then what was the catalyst to get you into this event? Who, uh, when was it on your radar and what were your expectations? Yeah, I think, well, I, I think last year it was, um, so I was actually, I lived in, uh, uh, Michelle was going to grad school at CU out in Boulder, Colorado for a couple of years. So I was actually in Boulder last year during last year scanning. I like saw, you know, the Instagram stories of some of the other people in my talk who were doing it, like Colin and uh, Lulu. And um, I was definitely having some serious FOMO. I was like, man, this looks pretty fun. Like, you know, it's like the things that I like about 24 hour mountain bike racing and it's on skis. So like, that seems like very much up my alley. So I was like, you know, if I'm around next year, I'll definitely, uh, try to do it. And I think, I think I got on your email list. I wanted to get a heads up about it or I don't know, maybe I bought something. I don't remember. Um, yeah. And I got the email to sign up and it was like, okay, yeah, I'll, you know, check that out whenever sign up. And then I, when I finally got around to looking at it, there's, I was on the wait, you know, the, it was full up and I was on the wait list. So I was like, man, that's a bummer, but you know, not a big deal. Just pretty excited to get off the wait list a couple weeks ago. Um, and be like, okay, we're doing it. Should be fun. Um, but yeah, going into it, I wasn't really expecting to go super far, super long. You know, I, was, I had these intermediate goals. I thought, you know, 20 hours would be, um, that'd be the most of it I'd ever done in a day. Um, and then 24 hours is a nice milestone. And then, um, you know, 29 hours would be an Everest. And then after that, the, you know, it's Chris's birthday, 33 laps. And then, you know, I just had this kind of like set of milestones that just sort of developed, but I'd, I wasn't prepared to be there for three, two and a half days. Um, I was, you know, planning to go home. Michelle and I were both planning to go home on Sunday evening and, you know, go back to Boston. So definitely surprised to be out there for so long. Well, that's the way to break it down incrementally and just go with it. But at the same time, it's you left it pretty open ended. I mean, I know you were like you thought you'd be done on on Sunday. Uh, what um, so tell me a little bit about like how those first laps went, and as the you know just pretty much a little bit of the play by play as it went on, um, and what you thought of the event. Yeah. Um, let's see. Those first laps, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a huge field. Um, it was great to see so many people out. Um, and just like, yeah, I mean, I was definitely a little intimidated because I was definitely like not the slowest. I mean, well, I mean, in the beginning, I feel like I was kind of in the middle or maybe like the back third or something. Um, 
But then as it started to whittle down a little bit, I was like, you know, and it was like still like 20 odd people. I was like, I think I am the slowest person of all like 20 of these people, at least right now. So I was like, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't very confident that I'd be able to outlast most of them. Um, just cause they all were still going fast, um, every lap. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was sort of had these goals and, you know, I still felt like I could ski. So I was kind of just kept going to those and not really worrying about other folks. Um, and, uh, you know, by the time we got to 40 mile or 40 laps, which I was like, Oh, a hundred miles, I think it was just down to three of us at that point. And then, you know, from there you're like, well, okay, like maybe I could try to get first in the, the heavy, the heavier equipment category. And then, you know, then you're second and then, you know, then from there, you know, you really got to keep going. Um, but I was just super impressed with the event. Like, I don't know. I feel like, um, it's a really cool format for, um, cause I think it really invites like a lot of like dark horse types, you know, cause it's like, you don't have to be the fittest. Um, you know, you just have to be fit enough and I don't know, stupid enough or stubborn enough or wanted enough, uh, to just stay in for a really long time. Like, I don't know. I think, the coolest part was like on Sunday, Sunday at some point, I don't know where there's like maybe nine or 10 of us left. And, you know, I think it was like four of the nine were women. And like one of them is like their first season backcountry skiing. And another one, you know, and Liana was on a split board and like crushing everyone on the uphills. It was just like such a ridiculous group of people. I, I was sort of thought of like looking at skinning uphill. I was like, it looks like a ragtag band, like, you know, like escaping like the zombie apocalypse or something, just still going, you know, a day and a half in. Um, yeah. And I, and I think like from like my experiences with like 24 hour mountain bike racing, it seemed like people were, I think as a percentage of people that made it past 24 hours is way higher than, than anything I've seen in any like bike race. You know, I don't think, that many solo mountain bikers make it to 24 hours. It was like, you know, probably like almost like 20% for this race. Yeah. If I scroll down and look, it was 16 people were 24 hours made it made 24 laps. Wait, how many people did? I think 16. Yeah. And there were 80. So yeah, I mean, just under 20%. Um, yeah, it's, that's a ton. But I think what you, what you're saying about, you don't have to be this super athlete, but you, at the same time, you, you can't hide from that vertical. Whereas I think in some of these other, the same formats for running, it's pretty flat and you can just keep walking some of it and run some of it, walk some of it. But like hiking that thousand vertical feet, every lap must've, you started to feel that eventually. Right. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. I sometimes some laps. Yeah. But other laps, you know, like that lap, like in like on new, like around noon on Monday, doing like a fast lap was just like, um, it felt really good just to like move your legs differently. Um, and you know, still feel like you had something in the tank, um, instead of just trudging uphill endlessly. I don't know. I, I just think that at low enough intensity, you can just kind of go forever. You know, and you just have to battle with figure out your sleep and all the other nutrition management, um, did you feel, yeah. did you feel that you were carrying some of the weight of the event to keep it going or were you just not even worried about that? You're just focusing on yourself one lap or what, you know, what was your, I guess, how did things shift throughout the event as far as your mental state goes? 
Yeah. Um, I think like, I feel like maybe like the first night, the first night I was like, you know, I can do this. This is just a 24 hour thing. Like I know I can do a sleep deprivation for this long. I know, uh, I can handle my feet and, you know, like I know I can make it through the first night. I was pretty confident about that. And then the second night, I think I was having some doubts cause I was, you know, worried about, um, it was pretty cold and it got kind of windy and I was getting, you know, tired and, um, you know, hungry and I don't know. Sunday night was definitely rough. Um, and I think I was kind of worried about like, I didn't want to like hurt myself skiing down. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't want, it's not worth it to me to like, you know, tear my ACL or do some permanent damage to myself. You know, I want to ski for a long time just to, you know, do a ridiculous number of laps in this race. It's not worth it to me. Um, but I don't know, for some reason I just kind of kept doing it anyway. Um, and then, yeah, and I think that Sunday night too, when I was like starting to worry, like, I don't know how much, like I've never done two nights of no sleep. Um, that's new. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then it wasn't until I feel like it was like Sunday night. I didn't really think, you know, the first or wait, uh, like maybe like Sunday or Monday morning, um, was when, I don't know. I, I think the whole weekend I, I was just like, yeah, this is just, you know, I'm kind of in my own head, just doing my own thing. And then I think like Monday morning was when I started realizing like Michelle started showing me texts from friends that had, you know, found it on Instagram and like, you know, people that I hadn't talked to in a while had somehow stumbled across it and were like, what is this crazy thing? And like, you know, you were telling me how many people were following live. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is kind of a thing now, I guess. Um, so yeah, I definitely felt some pressure on the last day to keep things going. Like, you know, from the, from hearing from my friends and stuff, you know, feeling like really, you know, supported and like that they, they thought I could do it, but also, you know, a little bit of pressure, you know, let's keep this spectacle going and see what we can do. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely real. Yeah, it was exciting. I mean, being in there and being in this, this bubble that it's hard to, to grasp how many people were tuned in and, and capturing the intention, the attention of the internet for a hot minute there. Cause you think about it, the Super Bowl had happened and then everyone goes to work, including Chris Sonnier and, uh, yep. and there's, you know, that's still happening. So people were checking in and, and wanted to keep tabs. Um, so it was really, you know, it takes two, we got to give, you know, you and Jeremy and even, you know, we, we joke that Ben Lane, he ducked out, you know, he escaped while he could. Yeah, he got out lucky. But, but uh, I feel like once you're down to two, you got to put in another good effort. You know, it's, you can't just end it yeah. right after that. I think, you gotta... I think there is. I think you get the second wind. When you saw Jeremy turn around, what were you thinking there? Because that's when you're saying you did that fast lap. You did 35 minutes for your 51st lap. What was going on there? Did you get a little adrenaline rush thinking that you had this wrapped up? Yeah, well, so, like, yeah, I definitely was like, okay, cool. Like, maybe I got this. Maybe we can be done. And, like, you know, if the faster I go, the faster we'll be done with this lap. Um, definitely like getting to the top though, I was like, Oh, I don't know, man, you shouldn't get your hopes up too, too much here. Cause you know, he could have very easily changed his mind after five minutes or something and still be doing this lap. So, you know, it's not over till, till you get to the bottom and Jeremy's still sitting there. Um, so, so I, I tried to temper my expectations. So when I saw him coming back up on the way down, I wasn't like totally, totally floored. You know, I was, uh, 
but uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think Michelle and Neil were both a little excited to be done and go home too. Cause, and you know, they're like, Oh, you know, Jeremy didn't leave until like 17 past. So he's going to have a really hard time, you know, making the hour and he'll be worked and tired and this and that. But then he came back and he did a, like, I don't know if it was under 30 minutes. It was really close to 30 minutes that lap. So it was, I was a little intimidated to be honest. I was like, man, he's, he's faster than me still. Uh, but I definitely, I don't know. I felt like got a little rush there and I felt good. So, you know, I thought, um, and even if it wasn't over then, I still felt pretty good about it. Um, just cause you know, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't know how long Jeremy could go for, but I knew that I still felt good. Um, so I knew that I wasn't quite having doubts yet. So I thought, and that kind of gave me some new more energy, you know, to be like, all right, I, you know, I gotta, gotta try to win this for real, I guess. And all said and done, that last lap, you knew you knew Jeremy was done. We all went up together on lap sixty. Um, what was that sixty-first lap like? Oh, it felt good. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't try to go super fast. I tried to just enjoy it, but you know, make it within the time because that'd be kind of stupid uh, to just you know not go fast enough and then have a skin failure or something and. Uh, just something dumb like that. Um, so I tried to, you know, you know, make decent time and kind of enjoy it. I gave my friend Tom a call. Uh, he's a, a master of Stoke and I had been kind of keep, keeping him on, uh, you know, on the, keeping him in mind for a call, you know, because I, I thought we'd be going late into the night if I needed a, needed a pep talk later in the evening. So I figured I'd give him a chat while we were going up and, yeah, you know, I tried to take a minute at the top and enjoy the stars and, uh, but not, you know, not too much time and then try to actually enjoy the ski down a little bit more too, but also not hurt myself. Um, so yeah, just a mixture of just trying to, you know, put in a, a decent lap and have a good time and not get hurt. And, uh, yeah, just, just savor the experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was, it was great to watch. I mean, I think your whole attitude during this event was something to take note of very positive. And, you know, it's like you were feeling it. It was obvious, but you know, you were getting tired. You need, need to take naps later on in the event. You were checking on your feet. Um, it's a lot. That's a, that's incredible time, uh, to be active and doing something like an event like this. What, um, what's some of the, the takeaways, like, what did you learn about yourself or an event like this? Some, uh, some pro tips moving forward that other people can maybe learn from. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like self lessons, like it's just kind of a cliche, but you know, like it's like how you eat an elephant, right? Like one bite at a time. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's a cliche, but it's pretty, pretty true. Like, you know, you can't starting this event if I had said, Oh, like if I um, don't do 61, you know, if I don't win, it's not worth it. Or like, it's impossible to conceive of doing that and that long a distance at the beginning. Cause it's like so far past anything I've ever done. Um, but you know, if you like have these like little intermediate goals that are achievable and then you just kind of set, you keep setting like the bar a little bit further every time you reach them and having something that, you know, you can reach and be happy about, uh, if you decide to quit, um, and just kind of making new little goals as the, as the time goes on, I think was really helpful to me. Um, I think, I mean, I think having the support too is like super key. You know, Michelle was there the whole time. Um, 
making food and doing my skins. Um, and I think like it's, it's really helpful, like, you know, emotionally and mentally to like have someone there to who's like kind of looking after you. Um, but I think also like, um, like logistically just, you know, you have more time to rest if you just like finish your lap, take your skis off, hand your skins to someone and like go pass out in Monty's car. You know, it's like putting your skins on doesn't take that long, but you know, it's, that's an extra minute that you can go sleep and not think about it. Um, I think like going, like, I think for another year, like another thing that would be, I guess I wasn't expecting to go so long. I think if I wanted to try to do the same or more, I would like, I mean, well, I definitely would have brought more socks for sure. I think, I don't know. I, I haven't actually, I don't actually have a great assessment of how, how Jeremy's feet actually were, but he was, he was definitely talking some hot game about how good they were. I don't know how true that was, or if it was just a head game, but, uh, he, you know, he had a boot dryer and extra liners and like infinite socks. Um, so I think I would bring a lot more socks and then like, maybe like have like a schedule for myself where it's like, because I kind of just winged it every lap. Like where's what I was going to do when I got back, I'd kind of think about it on the way up. Like, what do I need? Like, do I need to eat? Do I need to sleep? Do I need to change my, 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 my socks? Cause you know, you kind of have time to do like one or two of those things. Um, and not nothing else. Um, so, um, I would kind of make like a schedule be like, you know, every fourth lap, I, that's, I just do my socks and like, you know, whoever's there on support kind of knows that's the plan. Um, instead of kind of winging it every time, I think that would, that would really help and just keeping up the routine. Cause my feet really only got bad. I think like Sunday night when like I was cold and hungry and like, I think everyone who's for me had like, gone to sleep. Uh, so I was kind of just like trying to manage the, the sleepies and the eating and the being cold and kind of forgot about my feet and kind of fell off the radar a little bit. It couldn't, couldn't be more true with the plan. That's what Rick Chalmers did. He showed up when he had a, every lap he had something to do, whether he was going to eat his yeah. oysters, it was going to be a fast lap, a slow lap. And you're right. You break it down lap by lap. Next thing you know, you, you're, you're up there. They start adding up that, um, yeah, those little times, those little chunks of time. It sounds like a lot, like say you, you did that 35 minute lap, but it takes time to get everything sorted out, especially in the, an event like involves all the, the ski gear um would you bring another set of um lightweight skis maybe bindings that uh weren't broken i know you had you had heavier maybe skis I, that you I, didn't want to switch into because you had that meant what did that mean yeah i mean yeah i mean i was like the other skis and boots are probably at least a pound per foot heavier maybe like almost two pounds per foot heavier um and they don't they're like garmon excursion so they're you know they're a older style telly boots. They don't have a lock mode. Um, they're low cuff, so they're okay, but they're not like, yeah, they're not great to skin. And I, and I like get really bad heel blisters with them these days. So I don't know. I haven't, I was, I was, I was like, my feet are bad enough. I don't know. And these, these boots are not awesome on my feet right now, but they're kind of working. So I don't, I just didn't want to change. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Having a spare set of skis to work with could definitely help. Um, I think you, yeah, I mean, you could honestly just have, it help your picker too. Cause you just have, you can switch these every lap. You'd have skins ready on them. Um, and you know, then they wouldn't have to do it so quick. They could you know have a whole lap while you're gone to deal with it. 
Um, yeah, I think that would help too. And just like, you don't want to like end a race like this too, because of gear failures. You're just being really prepared and having tools and some spare parts and like, or yeah, just a separate set of skis or something. I think could definitely have helped, but I don't know. I don't think the, I mean, I think the, really the, the binding breaking problem. I don't, I think the really only way that slowed me down was just in the transitions. I think it was a little harder to, you know, set up the Wally strap every time. Um, so it probably cost me, you know, 20 seconds of transitioning and the whole bummer about that setup too, is you have to bend over a lot to like, you know, you put your bend over, put your boots in ski mode and bend over to put the heel bail. Um, and when you're here, like after 60 laps, like, you know, bending over kind of sucks. Uh, makes your legs hurt and they can kind of cramp up. Um, so it, it all adds up. No, you're right. You're doing like an extra like squat there, you know? <laughs> uh, I know it. Trust me. And anything you can do to reduce that. That's why all us lazy Alpine touring people use our pole baskets as much as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, the vines I have, I just don't think you can do that. I don't know. Well, it was super impressive because you were the not only last skier standing, but you also were the the last heavy metal skier standing. Um, you know, really impressive performances. If you look down the list of people, I think what you said um, about you know those that made it twenty four hours and beyond, and you you sort of you and Jeremy recalibrated the event. You know, we had some numbers to chase from last year and. Um, really fun to watch, watch everything unfold and keep people guessing along the way. And, um, you know, we think, thank everyone that made this event happen, but the participants are really the core of it. And this wide range of people coming from all ages, all abilities made it so much fun to watch and, and be part of, but, um, you should be incredibly proud of your performance. And it's like, it's coming, coming from someone that skinned at black mountain quite a bit, like, it's unfathomable to do 61 laps, but I guess, you know, in the right, you know, you get the right person in the right environment, anything's possible. And, um, are you thinking about next year? What's, um, is that on the, would that be on yeah. the plate if this was ready to go and back up and running? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think like, I think I would do it one of two ways. Like, I think I would either, you know, come and, and hang out and, you know, put in a good number of laps, you know, try to do another 24 hours again or something and then hang out the weekend and, you know, support other people. And yeah, just kind of have a good time. Maybe go for the occasional party lap or something, or I don't know, it could be interesting to like actually train for it and like, try, yeah, try to get a little bit more fitness and try, you know, try that strategy of sleeping a lot and really, really pushing it to see what's possible, but it's hard to know. Like, you got to have someone else there to do it with you, you know, to really go the distance. So who knows? Like, you know, setting a, setting another course record is like, yeah, it takes, so you can't do it on your own. I know it's a, that's what makes it interesting. And then, you know, you have all the other variables of the snow conditions, weather, things that can affect, you know, gear and you just don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I think we got, we got so lucky with the weather. Yeah. I mean, the weather was just, I feel like, so perfect this year. Nice and sunny on Saturday, little snow refresh on Sunday, sunny on Monday again. You know, nothing, it was never too cold. Um, but I felt like yeah, it was, I, I you, know, you had the crux of Sunday night when it was windy. You know, it was gusting up to, must have been up to 40 miles an hour at times. Um, 
so that that was challenging and that's like the dark those are the dark nights when no one's around you know competitors are down to just the three or four of you and then um eventually the two of you and there's no one at the base area except for you know a couple of maybe monty and myself and a, a volunteer or two so um the weather's the weather's the real deal it can you know fortunately black mountain is pretty mild at compared to other resorts but yeah still yeah, and at the Windy Labs, were, honestly, like, I think sitting in the tent was the worst part of that. So I was just sitting there, like, my stuff's, like, blowing around inside, and, like, you know, the, the poles are lifting out of the ground a little bit. I'm like, oh, cool, so this tent's going to, like, blow over while I'm sitting here. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but I don't know, like, on the course, you know, I feel like the wind kind of died out. Like, you know, the field was honestly the coldest, windiest part, and then you'd kind of get around and go up the hill and you know, get a little more vertical and, and warm up a little bit and get into the trees. And then it was pretty okay from there on. Um, I guess coming down was tough too, because there's like that new sticky snow and my skins are terrible and they leave skin glue all over my skis. So coming down with like sticky skis and sticky snow with like a massive headwind, you kind of, I was like skating some of the flatter sections because like this wasn't going. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you got a lot of time to resolve your gear issues but all, given everything that you went through, it was still still wildly impressive. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to break down how things went. And I know that this new, this, this new following of people that are obsessed with this event format are going to really appreciate hearing your background. And, and hopefully we can get you back up here any capacity possible. It'd be fun to, to ski a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to doing some fun skiing for the rest of this winter. Good. You deserve it. Well, thanks again. Um, we'll, uh, we got Jeremy's interview coming up next here, so we get to chat with him. So thanks again for putting on one hell of a performance. Congrats. And again, should just let it soak in and be incredibly uh, satisfied with what you, what you just did this weekend. Yeah, thanks. I've been having a pretty fun week. Right. Um, do you have Jeremy's number by any chance? I was going to send him a text uh, trying to get a, a local newspaper article going, uh, you know, from the same town or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, I'll pass that. I'll email that over. Great. All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Thanks so much, Andrew. Great talking to you. 